again, before we go to prayer, I just want to remind you online, this is Freedom Church of the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. We're glad you're here. Stay tuned. We're in Genesis. You may be seated. <laughs> so before we move on, I do have some prayer requests. Um, so I'm going to, we're going to pray. As everyone well knows, you know, the world in America needs our prayers. So do our leaders. Isaiah 5.20 says something like this. Woe to those who call good evil and evil good, bitter, sweet, and sweet bitter. And that's what we got going on in the world here today. People that are trying to change and redefine words. And uh, it's not good because God said in that passage to the uh, prophet Isaiah, woe to you. So for those of you that are on the wrong side, I suggest you straighten up, repent, come back to Jesus. There's a big sign on the front window of the church here that I put. It says, wake up America, come back to Jesus. That should be pretty cut and dry. You know, nobody claimed, nobody made a comment about it, maybe one or two people. Um, so and it's time for America to come back. It's time for you individually to come back because America is one person at a time. That's how we get America back to Jesus. So um, let's see. I want to remind people, too, that um, we have some prayer for her. I talked to uh, Lou Ann, Bob Muller's um, daughter today, and she said that Bob needs some prayer. Eric needs some prayer. It's her husband. Eric, and he's has leukemia. He's uh, going through the chemo, but he's losing weight left and right. But the doctors say his numbers are good, but he keeps losing weight. So we want to pray for him. And uh, Bob's wife, Rosemary, of course, she's got Alzheimer's, and they're trying to bring her home because she's in a facility, but that's not working. So I'd like to pray for them and the world and even the Sunday service again, okay? Um, and also... Ray, uh, Ray and Claudia. Claudia is up in New Hampshire. She's flying in tomorrow night. I'd like to pray for them because there's a snowstorm going on up there. Um, and, uh, of course, she needs to be safe flying in. And, um, you know, um, we just pray for better weather for her. And then she's coming, and they're, you know, Ray and Claudia bought a house up in New, uh, New Hampshire, and they're headed back on, I think, Saturday afternoon to New Hampshire. So um, I want to pray for them. I'm going to miss them a lot. We pray for them Sunday before they left, um, before Ray left anyway. So let's pray. Oh, Joe and Helga, yeah, okay. And Justin, you have something, don't you? Okay. You want to put them on this Saturday. Okay, let's do it. Father, I want to lift up uh, before you. First of all, Lord, as the, uh, your son taught us, he said to remember this, 
Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. And Lord, we do find your name holy. We're unholy, but you're made holy by your righteousness and through Christ Jesus for all of us that put our faith in him. And we thank you for that. But you're the holy God that sits on the throne in heaven. And we're so grateful, Lord, a God of grace and mercy, loving kindnesses that are new every morning and great faithfulness to us every single day. And we praise your name. And Father, you told us to ask and it shall be given, to seek and you shall find, to knock and the door will be opened, and everyone who asks receive, and he who seeks finds, and he who knocks, the door will be opened. So Lord, you said everyone. So we're going to believe this. We're going to take you at your word. The grass withers, the flower fades, but your word endures forever. So Lord, we're taking you at your word. Not what the world's saying, but what your word says. So Lord... Tonight, we know that, that uh, you're our Savior. I did it on Sunday last week. Talked about what your son Jesus did. He, saw, he did what you, he saw you doing. And what he did was heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, restore sight to the blind, make the mute man speak, cast out demons, Lord God. And we know that you are a God that can do these things. Right now in this congregation, Helga needs some prayers, Lord, because she has COPD and it's acting up. And Father, we just come against that in Jesus' name. Lord, your your word's very clear that by the stripes on Jesus' back, we are healed. You wrote it in the Old Testament, Isaiah 53, verse 5, I believe, and then you York in the New Testament, 2 Peter 2, 4, again. Lord, so it it was done, and it is done, and we're going to believe it. So, Father, we come against that COPD in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We rebuke it just like Jesus rebuked the fever and Peter's mother-in-law. And she got up and she waited on them. So when Joe gets home tonight, let Helga be fine, Lord God, according to our prayer, and she'll wait on her, her loving husband. And, Lord, we just give this over to you in Jesus' name. Father God, we want to lift up uh uh, this man, Kevin, to you, Lord, that's going to be on on uh, Justin's um, blog this Sunday. I'm not exactly how sure it's what it's called, Lord, but I, it's what? A YouTube show. <laughs> Lord, I, I don't know what the purpose of it, but Justin seems like a natural on there. So, Lord, I just pray that this Kevin guy, wherever he stands in, with you and the Lord, that he might come a lot closer to you. Lord, as he as he talks on this show. And Father, I pray for Justin's businesses that he's dealing with, Lord, that you prosper him greatly, Father, to your glory, because that's what he's doing it for. I know him, and that's what he's doing it for. Lord God, I pray for Claudia, Lord, and, and the trip from New Hampshire back down here to Florida just to grab a, her uh, the car and the U-Haul and, and her and her husband drive back up to New Hampshire. I pray, Lord God, that the weather clears. There's no ice on the runways. The planes are de-iced, Lord God, and the snow quits. And she has a safe, non-bumpy ride from New Hampshire down to here. And then when they head on back to New Hampshire, Lord, you'll protect the highways and the byways from, protect them from evil, Lord. Place an angel guard before them, Lord, and behind them to the sides of them and protect them all the way back up. 1,500-some miles to New, to New Hampshire. So, Lord, we put this in your hands. In Jesus' name, Father God, 
So let it be done. Father, we want to lift up Bob Mueller and his wife, Rosemary, Lord. Bob uh, always used to be here, Lord, but for the last year or so, that infection in his foot that keeps coming and going. Now I hear it's back, but it keeps coming and going, and, and he's just trying to get back on his feet again. So, Lord, we pray for a healing for him, too. And Derek, his son-in-law, Lord God, with the, uh, with the leukemia, Lord. Father God, we know that you're more powerful than leukemia. We know that you can, you can halt it. I pray that Derek that keeps on calling on you until it's done, along with us to do so too. And we pray for the whole family, Lord, Lou Ann and Rosemary, Lord, that, that um, things are taken care of and, um, and they return back to uh, the way they used to be, a healed, uh, powerful, well, they would become a powerful influence in the kingdom as you heal these sicknesses and these diseases in Jesus' name. Lord God, I pray for the United States of America, Lord. Father God, I don't know what's going on in the world, but I know that Romans 13 tells us that you're in control. And you raise up leaders and you take down leaders, Lord. And Father, well, we know that whatever happens, you are still in control of this nation. But I pray, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit begins to wake us up. Father God, there's some Christians that have been alive and well for so many years, and then they drifted away, and the enemy caught them and uh, got them involved in the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful prides of life, Lord God, and has hauled them away where they're ineffective. And Father God, we need an effective ministry, an effective Christians here on this, in this world. Father God, they mock us. They laugh at us. They call, spurn our name for evil. For because of Jesus, Lord God, but you said to rejoice and jump and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven. So, Lord, that's what we do tonight. And, Father God, I know that I used to make fun of them until your spirit spoke to me. And then things changed, and I was born again. And the old man became a new man, a new spirit man that believed in you. And I pray that that can happen to this nation. We've seen you turn nations around before. And, Father, remember... America was one of the nations or is the nation that sends out more missionaries than anyone else to win a lost world to Christ. And now I know countries like Brazil are sending missionaries to us to wake us up. And Lord God, that's a, not, a, not a good quality. Lord, that's an insult to our failure to keep the gospel in first place and to put Jesus first and to call you holy, 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 you, the Father in heaven, because you are holy and righteous and just, and you love us so much that you sent your Son. Oh, Lord, we pray for America. Wake us up, Lord. And, Father, don't forget the world, because the world is lost. I, I just wonder, how do all these religions come to be when the gospel went through all of Europe and Asia and Asia Minor? Father God, 2,000 years ago, and it should have been woken up to, to the Messiah of Israel. But, Father, even the world has not recognized the time of their visitation from the Lord Jesus Christ. But this is the time of year when we remember that he was born in a, man, in a, in a manger, and he grew, and he taught us, and he loved on us, and he healed us, 
and he died for us, and he was buried, and he rose the third day. He's alive and well, and we thank you, Lord Jesus, because we know you're here tonight. Holy Spirit, speak to us loud and clear as we study your word tonight, Lord God. And let all of us that just prayed together these prayers, let us remember this. Mark 11, have faith in God. If you say to this mountain, it doesn't say to ask God to move the mountain. It says to you move the mountain because you have faith in God. If you say to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea. And if we do not doubt in our heart, but believe that what you prayed will happen, Father, it's, your word says that you will grant it to us. So, Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you grant us Bob Mueller's recovery, Derek's recovery, Rosemary's recovery, Lord God, and, and, uh, and uh, everybody's recovery that needs it, Lord God. There's people in this church that are sitting here tonight that need recovery. I need recovery on certain issues too, Lord. So, Father, I believe that if I have faith in you, I can move this mountain in your name because you said so. Not because I'm such a great person. It's because you're a great God. And, Lord, I pray that these mountains are moved in all of our lives, whether it be financial, spiritual, physical. Lord God, we move it in Jesus' name because we believe your word. Father, your spirit and those who, who uh, worship you shall worship you in spirit and truth. And since your spirit and we're flesh, we have to reach up into the spirit world and pull it into the flesh world and claim it and 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 live it and love on you we're not claiming a condo on the beach we're just claiming the health that you promised us because we are fearfully and wonderfully made inside our mother's womb and father we want to live healthily we want to live long because we honored our father and mother which is a which is a command with a promise and lord we want you to glow our very being so that people, when they see us, they say, there's something different about you. You're a follower of Jesus Christ, aren't you? And we can tell them all about you and how they, too, can become a believer, which is so simple. Just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart, and you shall be saved. So, Father, let it be done. Speak to us now in your word, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, church, we've been studying in Genesis, and I've been enjoying it. I've thought through it before several times, actually. And um, you see more, you know, the more you, if you read a book once, it's great. But if you read it again, you know, it's even greater. If you read it again, you go, wow, how did I miss that the other two times? Well, that's what the Bible's even better than that because it's living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. So you see beautiful things from the Word. I just want to review rest real, real cute. We went uh, real quick. We went through several chapters, and we're on chapter 10 tonight and, and 11. I hope to touch into it. But I want you to remind you that there's, there's four major events in the book of Acts. Number one is creation. Where Jesus actually, you know, uh, God spoke, then God spoke, and he said, let there be light. That was Jesus, okay? You know, because um, he's the word of God. And you see the spirit of God hoovering over the surface of the water, and you see God um, 
you know, in the beginning was God. So you see Father, Son, Holy Spirit right in the first three verses of the Bible. And there's creation. So the one major event in the Bible is creation. God created. And then the next major is the fall of man, and we studied through that. And the next major we went through, it was the flood. And then the next one is the dispersion, which we I hope to get to tonight. And you're going to see part of it if, even if we don't get there. So creation, the fall, the flood, and the dispersion where, you know, the Tower of Babel where God dispersed the people and confused their language. And we've got a whole bunch of other beautiful things in the Word of God to see. So let's read in chapter 11. And there's a lot of names here, um, but I, I can guarantee you the pron my pronunciation will be wrong. Um, but you know what? Um, it still tells us some information that we that we need to know. Um, so let's uh, start tackling it, okay? So I'm going to read it, and if I skip the name because it's too hard, ah, you'll know. You can pronounce it yourself. Chapter 10. Descendants of Noah. You remember, Noah took eight people on the ark, him and his wife, his three sons, Shem, Shem Ham, and Japheth, and their wives, and it was eight people saved on the ark. And these are the descendants. Once the flood had ended and the ark came to rest on Mount Ararat, you know, um, you know, Noah's, we get introduced to Noah's son and the way things began. So every single one of us on the earth today came from this line. We all come from Noah. You know, none of, a, none of you today are a son of, and people have asked me this, none of you today are, are a son or a daughter of Cain because Cain's family was wiped out in the flood. None of you are from Cain. You know, we're from Noah, and then we're from one of his three sons, Shem, Ham, or Japheth. Okay? So uh, we all have the bloodline all the way back to Adam and Eve. And, of course, you know, God blew into Adam, and uh, he became a living being, and man blew out God's breath and began to live forever. Now, verse 1, Now these are the generations of Shem, Ham, and Japheth, the sons of Noah, and sons were born to them after the flood. The sons of Japheth were Gomer, Magog, and Mayday, and Javan, and Tubal, and Meshach, and Teres. The sons of Gomer were Ashkenaz, and Ripha, and Togarma. The sons of Javan were Elishan, and Tarsish, Kittim, and Dothdanim. From these, the coastlands of the nations were separated into the lands, everyone according to his language, according to their families, into their nations. The sons of Ham were Cush and Mizam and Put and Canaan. The sons of Cush were Shabbath and Havilah and Sabbath and Ramah and Sabbatka. And some Ramah were, and sons of Ramah were Sheba and Dan. Now Cush became the father of Nimrod 
and he became a mighty one on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord, before it is said, like Nimrod, a mighty warrior before the Lord. The beginning of his kingdom was Babel, and Zarek, and Akkad, and Kalni, and the land of Shinar. From that land he went forth into Assyria and built Nineveh. Do you recognize a couple of those names? You know, Babel, you notice that that came from the son of Ham, Nimrod, who was a mighty hunter, and Babel was the first city, and that's where they, they built the, ta the tower to heaven. And then we see Nineveh there and Assyria. And Raboth, Er, and Kalar, and Rezin between Nineveh and Kela. That is the great city. Mizam became the father of Lidim and Antium and Levithon and Nap to him and Pathrusum and Kazluham from which came the Philistines and Captorium. Canaan became the father of Sadon, his firstborn Heth and the Jebusite and the Amorite and the Gazarite and the Hivite and the Archite and the Sinite and the Arvadite and the Zemurite and the Hamorites, and afterwards the families of Canaan were spread abroad. The territory of Canaan extended from Sidon, you go towards Gera, as far as Gaza, as you know, go towards Sodom and Gomorrah and Amah and Zebulon, as far as Laska. These are the sons of Ham, according to their families, according to their their languages and their lands and their nations. Now you might hear the names of these guys as we these these you know the Amorites and the the Canaanites and people like that. But this this is the genealogy of of the sons of Jephthah and Ham. You will not see this anymore. It's going to end right there. Their line is going to end. It's not that they died out. It's just that it's not as important as the line of Shem, which is next. The line of Shem is the Messianic line. The line of Shem. You know, Noah had the three sons. Shem is the Messianic line. You're going to see the names as we go through. You're going to recognize these names. And they were the sons of Shem, you know, which which will go all the way up to Messiah. Okay? And uh, that's the Messianic line. And the Messianic line will continue you know, through the Bible, you're going to see it in Matthew, I believe, chapter 3, Luke chapter 1, I believe it is. So you're going to see the Messianic lines. And you can identify, you know, uh, where Joseph came from and where Mary came from. But we're not, that's not our study tonight. So, so we, we can see that if, if you, let me give you a little look at this. And it's not going to be perfect because there's going to be things that overlap. But basically, the bottom line of Japheth, who's had seven sons, the bottom line, they basically settled in Europe. You know, which is, you know, could include Italy and, you know, all the way to Britain. They basically settled in Europe, the Mediterranean area, and even West Asia. Okay, so that gives you an idea where Japheth's line ended up. And uh, Ham's line, he had four sons, Cush and Mizoram, Canaan, and uh, 
Let's see, who's the other one? Uh, Nimrod, okay? Basically, Cush, the son of Ham, ended up in Ethiopia, okay? Mizoram ended up basically in Egypt. Put ended up basically around Libya, okay? And that's the Canaanites are where all these thorns in the flesh and the sides of Israel came into being. The Hevites and the, the Senites and the Amorites and the Jebusites. Jebusites were, the Jebusites were, were the ones who built Jerusalem, just so you know. And the only one to conquer uh, Jerusalem was David. Even, even Joshua did not make, make it through the entire, uh, you know, what can I say, the entire promised land. It was David that captured Jerusalem several hundred years later. Okay? So Canaan is basically Israel and Jordan. Okay? And, of course, you know that's where, uh, you know, the David ended up building a, in Jerusalem. Now, Cush had a notable son, and his name was Nimrod. And Nimrod, here's what it means, let us rebel. So that's what the Tower of Babel, you know, ended up. It was a, it was a way of rebelling against God. They're going to build a tower all the way to God. They organized a, a rebellion against Yahweh. And uh, he was a, he says in here he was a mighty warrior, but he was a negative hunter. He was, a, he was known from what I can read in the scripture and studying, you know, some of the, page, the, um, the um, mighty men today, the knowledgeable men today. They say that he was a negative warrior of the souls of men, leading them astray. And obviously, he was leading them astray when he tried to build this tower to, of Babel, you know, which is a rebellion against God. Basically, they ended up in Iraq and Iran, some in Saudi Arabia and Africa. But, you know, there'd be intermingling here, just like you go from one country to the next, you know, languages change. I have a feeling, though, when God changed their languages, they, he kept them all grouped together. You know, he didn't take some of the Ham's uh, relatives and put them with Japheth's relatives, you know. I think that's probably the way it is. Um, but who knows, you know, it's not for us to know, really. I mean, it's, it's what we want to find out is, you know, where the Messiah comes into all this. So if we read from chapter 10, verse 21, also to Shem, the father of the children of Eber, and the older brother of Japheth, and children were born. The sons of Shem were Elam and Asher and Arpachad. Now, Arpachad is the son that leads to Messiah. And Lud and Aram. And the sons of Aram were Ur and Hal and Gether and Mash. And Arpachad became the father of Selah. So now we got Shem, we got Arpachad, and Selah are, are, are in the Messianic line. And became the father of Shelah. And Shelah became the father of Eber. And the sons were born to Eber, and one of them was Peleg, for in his days the earth was divided, and his brother's name was Jotham. And these guys from, here we go, Shem, Arpashapath, Shelah, Eber, uh, Peleg, and Jotham, they are all in the Messianic line to Messiah. And Jotham became Jotham. 
Ken became the father of Amadad and Shilath and Shal. Man, these names are something. Has Armvarath and Jera and Hedora and Uzel and Dikla and Obel and Emelel and Sheba and Or and Avila, Jobad. See Job add there? They claim that that is none other than the, the Job in the Bible. It's, it's been thought that over the years that that, so, so Job would be, if, if that is the case, Job would be from the line of Shem, but he's not in the Messianic line. Okay? And all these were the sons of Jotham. Now were settlements extended from Meshan as you go towards Sephar and the hill country of the east. These are the sons of Shem, according to their families, according to their languages. Even though there was one language yet, but it's going to be divided by their lands, um, according to the nations. These are the sons, the families of the sons of Noah, according to the genealogies, by their nations. And out of these, the nations were separated on the, on the earth after the flood. So, we see the messianic line there and that's going to continue as you go through the bible so that when messiah ends up in israel you're going to know who he is it's going to be it's going to go all the way back all the way back you know and you know we we have a we you know when the people were healed they called jesus the son of david well david is in the messianic line so they're acknowledging that jesus is the messiah now a lot of the average Jews today have missed that. They did not recognize the time of their visitation, even though Isaiah told them many times in Isaiah 61 and Isaiah 28 or 29. And, of course, you know, Micah, all the prophets prophesied about Messiah coming, and they seemed to have missed it, many of them. But some have, have, have not, and they became followers of Messiah and became uh, believers in, in Messiah and Therefore, they are saved. So basically, the, uh, you know, Shem's line ended up in Assyria, uh, west, northwestern Turkey, uh, west Iraq, Jordan, uh, settled in the east of the Jordan, and uh, um, Asia, and Saudi Arabia. Jephthah, basically from Europe. Here's just a little sum summary. Jephthah's line, basically Europe. So if you're British, you probably may come from the line of Jephthah. If, you know, I, they claim I'm Italian, so that I'm, I would be in Japheth's uh, line. But, I mean, you just these are just guesses. But you can approximate which son you came from. But go back one more. You're from Noah. <laughs> you know, Ham, basically Africa, and Shem, Asia. So um, that's basically the way it is. I made a chart years ago, and just like I did, you know, with the genealogies of Adam. Remember, we had Adam, Seth, Enoch, Canaan, Methuselah, um, not Methuselah, but Methelel, Jared, Enoch, um, Methuselah, Lamech and Noah, those were the messianic line up till Noah. Then it splits off in the other three, but Shem carries on that, that, that line all the way up to Messiah. And you know, remember I told you, if you take each name 
uh, of the genealogies from Adam to Noah, and you take the meaning of their names. The meaning of Seth is is a, means appointed. Adam means earth man. You know, Enosh means mortal. Canaan means sorrow. Methaliel means the blessed God. Uh, Jared means uh, shall come down. Enoch is teacher or instructor. Methuselah, his death will bring. And then Lamech is strong. And Noah's name means rest. So if you put them together, here's how it reads. And so you would know that I, th I believe God does all kind of things that we haven't even seen yet in the Bible. But this is one of them, I believe. If you take the naming of each name, Earthman, Adam, his appointed moral sorrow, the blessed God shall come down teaching and instructing. His death shall bring strong rest. So that tells you a story. Messiah's been planned from the very beginning. And I didn't do that for this line, but oh, these, I, I think maybe if it, if it, it might work out that way, that it tells a story too. Their names. And it goes all the way up to Abraham. So that's pretty much one of those boring chapters in the Bible. But really, there's a lot in there that you can, could glean from it. But chapter 11 is the dispersion of the nations, which is the fourth main event. Remember, creation, the fall, the flood, and now the dispersion. And we're going to read about that as we, as we come uh, here in chapter 11. Now, the whole earth used the same language and the same words. It came about as they were journeying east that they found the plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they used the brick for stone and they used tar for mortar. Now listen, remember God's, what he told Adam and Eve to do? He said, go and replenish the earth. Did you notice that they're all in one place? They weren't following even the command of God. They were to go and fill the whole earth. But instead, they grouped together. And, God, and they put all their minds together, being one language, and they found a way to, to uh, come against God, to build a tower up to God. And they failed their, their mission. They weren't occupying the earth but once God divided their language guess what they dispersed through the whole world so they took they said come let us make bricks burn them thoroughly and they used brick for stone and they used tar for mortar some versions say bituminous some versions say asphalt some versions they said come let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into heaven. Listen, literally, it would read this way, whose top is heaven. That's the way they say literally that verse should read. That's it. They didn't say let's bring a, build all the way up to heaven because we got skyscrapers way bigger than this today. It was like 650 feet tall. You know, we got skyscrapers way above that. No, what the problem was they said whose top of this tower that they're going to build is heaven now that's you know that's not too really intelligent if you ask me so and here's here listen another part Le and let us make ourselves a name that's pride do you see it it's pride let us make ourselves a name 
And I lost my place here. Yeah, otherwise we will be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. Look at that. They don't want to be scattered. They're gathered together. They aren't following the command of God. So God's going to scatter them. You know, it's interesting because God scatters these people with language, but yet in the New Testament, Pentecost, he unites them with the language. Did you notice that? That's cool. You know, but today... You can see a division even within the church, how the devil wants to divide, you know, those languages again. But then where, where one believer thinks, I'm, I'm better than you because I have the gift of tongues. No, you aren't. God loves the other person just as much as you, you know. It's just a gift God chose to give you because 1 Corinthians eleven twelve says he distributes, the Holy Spirit distributes the gifts as he wills. I want every gift that God can give me personally. So I have the gift of tongues. I have the gift of prophecy, too, because that's what I'm doing right now. This is prophecy. Practically every Bible teacher is, is a prophet. He's no longer, you know, uh, prophesying words so much, but he's proclaiming the Bible throughout the world. He's prophesying. I'm reading words of prophecy to you. Um, the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they all have the same language. And this is what they began to do. And now nothing which they propose to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language. Look at Behold, the Lord, look at verse 5 of chapter 11. Behold, the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men have built. I thought that was an interesting point. So I looked up a few things. Remember? Remember, it was God that came down and walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. Here, God's checking out to find out if what he's hearing from heaven, even though he knows it's true. He's given us a second chance. Well, maybe they'll change. Maybe between the time he comes, between he, while he's up there to the time he comes down. He has hope for mankind to get it right, but we don't. So, so um, he came down in the Garden of Eden, too. He came down right here to check things out. At Sodom and Gomorrah, remember what he did? He came down to check out if Sodom and Gomorrah was really as bad as what he was hearing up in heaven. In other words, God, I don't know if you guys see it, but I see mercy all over that. Hope that they will do the right thing, but but they didn't. At Christmas time, guess what? God came down in the form of a baby, didn't he? In the temple, he went into the temple. Guess what he was doing? Since he came down from heaven, he went into the temple to check out if they were really doing what he told them not to do. He told them not to make his, his father's house a house of, of uh, robbers. He came down to check it out. He deliberately went into Jerusalem and checked it out. And I'm convinced every single time that he, every single what can I say? Every single uh, Passover, he went into Jerusalem. Because you can see in all the Gospels, you can see that he, he the first time when he was just starting his ministry, he went into Jerusalem 
on the Passover. And you can see that in, in the other, in the Synoptic Gospels. But when you come to the Gospel of John, it was the end of his ministry that he came into the temple. So I think he did that every year. I think the Jews were expecting him every year because they were, again, not listening to what he said. This, the temple court was court of the Gentiles, where the Gentiles were supposed to come in and become proselytes or be converted to Yahweh. But they weren't doing that. They were ripping people off. And Jesus was, his zeal encompassed him. And he just turned over the money changer tent. He didn't, uh, tables. He didn't do anything wrong. He was angry, but he did not sin. That temple was for God's, to, for God's people to tell other people about Jesus. And guess what? After Jesus was resurrected, he hung around for, you know, he on and off, came up and down, I guess, from heaven for 40 days and, and came up and talked with the guys, you know, came down to, to tell them. Um, the Lord also came down in Exodus, not Exodus, but Numbers, when, when, God, when the 70 elders were cho uh, chosen by Moses. The Lord came down and rested on them, and the 70 elders were chosen. See, God comes down. He just doesn't, just, just doesn't um, make a quick move and destroy things in the Old Testament. He checks these things out because he's a loving and mighty God. He's a loving God. So, we see up in verse 2, Shinar... Guess where Shinar is actually Babylon? Just so you know, it's it's a Babylon area where Nimrod is, and that's basically where the Tower of Bab Babel was was built. Um, they built a city. Uh, they built a city. They were building cities all over the place. You can see they built Nineveh. They built Assyria. They built uh, the t uh, Babel. They were all staying together, so God had to confuse them. And the tower whose top reaches the heaven, or is heaven, I mentioned that to you, okay? Um, and, and most of the scholars tell us that it was given over to um, astrology so that they could get closer to the stars. So, you know, man was way off base, way off base at this time. Um, see, from Moses, let's see, from Abraham, from Adam to Abraham was about plus 2,000 years, just guessing. From Abraham to Moses, about 640 years, so basically about 2,640 years and the whole earth is a mess. It's already been destroyed by flood, and they're already about their same evil ways, even without the influence of the line of, say, Cain. They were, they were continually evil, says Genesis. So, let's see, verse 6. The Lord said, Behold, they are one people. They all have the same language. And this is what they began to do. And now 
nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible for them. Let us go down, just like Genesis chapter 3, God says, let us create man in our image, plural pronouns, which again opens up for the Trinity, which is shown in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, 2, and 3. Okay? Um, let us go down and confuse their language so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the earth, as he told them to do. He had to do it for them. And they stopped building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there, there the Lord confused the language of the whole earth. And from there, the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the whole earth. So now God's plan is being exacted, that they're, they're scattered all over the, over the land. Um, It's also said that the Tower of Babel was destroyed by Xerxes in 478 B.C. So it was demolished, basically. So you can see by, by God, you can see that, I'm going to say this. Unity stems from communication. You know, now that the languages are out there, some people can speak multiple languages, not me, but I know many people, my wife speaks two languages, you know, uh, people like uh, Brett's wife, Nona, speaks like six, seven languages. I don't know how she does it, <laughs> you know, unbelievable. But, you know, sometimes you, you know, communication is, um, so what, even in warfare, in Earthly warfare, man warfare, first thing you do is take out the communication. It's simple. It's a strategy of war. Okay, these men were warring against God, and he confused them and took out their communication. And they got scattered all over the face of the earth. Instead of destroying man like he did with the flood, he just destroyed their communication and made them suffer until they figured out how to uh, interpret each other's other's um, other's language. So here's the line to to um, I know I don't want to get bore you, but here's the line that leads to to Messiah. And I go. I guess I'm going through this again because I already went through it. But I'm going to read the chapter out. Or did I already read it? No, I didn't. All right, verse 10 of chapter 11 of Genesis. These are the records of the generations of Shem. This is an important line as we go through here. And again, I'll highlight the, the uh, Messianic line. These are the records of the generation of Shem. Shem was 100 years old and became the father of Arpeshad two years after the flood. And Shem lived 500 years after, and he became the father of Arpashad. So he's the Messianic line. And then the other, he had other sons and daughters. And Arpashad lived three, 35 years and became the father of Selah. That's the other Messianic line. And Arpashad lived 400 years and three, 403 years 
and he became the father of Selah. You know, if you look at these right now, remember Noah lived 950 years. Remember I told you the, the water vapor barrier crashed and the fountains of heaven, the, the floodgates of heaven were opened up and water rained from the cloud. You know, now that water vapor barrier is destroyed. The earth has now moved to seasons, okay? They, and now you see the age going down. Now look at, Arpeshpeth was 35 years old, and he became the father of Selah, and he lived 403 years afterwards. So already from 950 down to 400 years already in, in the generations that passed. So the man's, man's uh, um, age keeps getting less and less and less because that water vapor barrier is gone and the harmful rays of the sun do uh, hinder us and cause problems. Our patch, okay, I read that. Selah lived 30 years and became the father of Eber, and he's in the Messianic line, and Selah lived 403 years after and became the father of Eber, and he had other sons and daughters. Eber lived 34 years, and he became the father of Peleg, Messianic line. I got him highlighted in my Bible, so I know. And Eber lived 430 years, and he became the father of Peleg, and he had other sons and daughters, and Peleg lived 30 years, and he became the father of Ru, and Peleg lived 200 years. Now we're down to 230 years. You see how fast the age is dropping, okay? And nine years after that, he became the father of Ru, and he had other sons and daughters. Ru lived 32 years, and he became the father of Sirig, and Ru lived 200 years, and seven, 207 years, and he became the father of Surig, and he had other sons and daughters. So now we're down to 230 years. Serig lived 30 years, and he became the father of Nahor, who was in the Messianic line. And Sehag lived 200 years, and he became the father of, of Nahor, and he became had other sons and daughters. Nahor lived... 29 years, and he became the father of Terah, and Nahor lived 119 years plus 29 years, less than 150 years already. And Terah, if you were, if you don't know this, is the father of of uh, Abraham. So, so it's interesting as you as you find this out. Abraham, if I'm not mistaken, lived 100. And 39 years or something like that. So you can see all the way from 950 since Noah down to 150 years, say. So you can see it's gone. Now they're now setting up for for uh, the next part of the of Genesis, which is is the call that's going to be the call of Abraham and the covenant he makes with Abraham. And here it's setting up some things here. So when we get to chapter 12, now these are the records. This is verse 27 of chapter 11. Now these are the records of the generations of Terah. Terah became the father of Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran became the father of Lot. And Haran died in the presence of his father, Terah, in the land of his birth, in the in Ur, Ur of the Chaldeans. And Abraham took Nahor, and Abraham and Nahor took wives for themselves, the, and the names 
of Abraham's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah, the daughter of Haran. Okay, which, you know, daughter of Haran is uh, his brother. And Ishka, and Sarah was barren, and she had no child. Terah took Abraham's, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, and his grandson, and Sarah, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went out together from the Ur of, of Chaldeans and to, in order to enter the land of Canaan. And they went as far as Haran and settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now that's Abraham's father. So he got taken a little bit out of his way as, uh, as he was, you know, uh, waiting for his father, as his father had passed, as he was headed for the promised land. I think that's about it for, for that. I mean, uh, you know, I hope it wasn't too boring, but you had to glean some good stuff out of it. At least I did, you know. Um, Terah's culture, being Abraham, was the son of Terah. You know, their culture was an idolatrous culture. Abraham heard God, and he obeyed God, and therefore it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And uh, he kept on listening to God, as you well know, and he became, uh, you know, the patri- one of the, the father of our faith, really, the patriarch. But you see... Um, Abraham's character in all this, he's faithful to follow after God no matter what, no matter what. Despite all the disappointment, his brother died, his father died, he still kept on going where he was told to go. So we're going to see some some more as we move into chapter 12, which is mostly uh, about the call of Abraham, okay? So we'll see that. In several weeks, because we're going to be, remember, next Thursday we're not here. The following Thursday is New Year's Eve, and we won't be here, so we'll be seeing you in January. We'll tackle some more of Genesis, okay? So let's close in prayer real quick. Father, thank you for this time together, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that we can see that our lives go all the way back through one of the sons of Noah, through Noah, all the way back to being sons and daughters of the first Adam, Lord. But we've also become sons and daughters of the second Adam who took away our sins instead of giving us sin. So, Lord, we thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you that we have been redeemed through this messianic line that we just heard of all the way to Messiah who redeemed us and sanctified us and made us whole and complete, sinless in the spirit man. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you, church. Love you all.